Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best in boxing with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back to Punches and Punchlines. This week, Fritz and I are going to be breaking down the fights from Leeds, England, and from Las Vegas, Nevada, from the resorts world. I don't even know what the venue is called, but uh, it is a cool casino. So yeah, ready to break down these fights. Fritz is recording from the road this week, so I'm going to be taking the lead on some of the stuff that usually Fritz handles. How are you doing, Fritz? What, uh, what are you up to? Wonderful. Yeah, we're uh, vacationing down in Springfield, Illinois, Ooh. and, uh, you know, checking out some Illinois history this weekend. That Resorts World was cool. It was the first time they had any kind of sporting event uh, at the venue, so this was kind of a cool way to kick off that venue. Yeah, the, the Leeds show looked wonderful, so a lot of fun fights. Let's talk about it. Josh Warrington. 31 years old, coming in at 31 and 1, versus Kiko Martinez, 36 years old, coming at 43, 10 and 2. This was supposed to be Kiko Martinez's first defense of his belt that he took off of Kid Galahad mm-hmm. um, in his last fight. Just that wonderful knockout where he knocked him down in one round and then they came back out and he landed one more punch in the next round and the fight was over. So that's how Kiko Martinez got his belt was uh, knocking out Kid Galahad. And I think the only one who felt worse after this fight than Kiko Martinez was Kid Galahad because (laughs) Kiko Martinez kicked his ass and Josh Warrington just walked right through Kiko Martinez. Right from the beginning of this fight, Kiko Martinez was not in this fight. Josh Warrington was just beating him like you're trying to get a like a stain out of a rug and you just keep beating it like that. <laughs> that's what it looked like what was going on in this fight. Yeah, I was shocked at how much action Warrington came out with, came out like a bat out of hell. And a lot of times when guys come out this fast, you're thinking, well, they're not going to be able to keep up this pace. There's no way in hell. Well, Warrington didn't have to keep up the pace because he hurt Kiko so badly early in this fight that, you know, he let off the gas a little bit by like the third round, but he was beating the living piss out of Kiko for the first two rounds to where he was already bleeding all over the place. And so, yeah, by the time it got to the seventh round and Warrington started just loading a million shots, like it kind of looked like an anime or like a cartoon where their hands are just going a million miles an hour and you don't even see the punches anymore. And when, when it got stopped, I'm glad that it got stopped because Warrington was just bludgeoning Kiko Martinez. So, you know, this was for the IBF featherweight championship and uh, I'd, I'd like to see more of Warrington. I do like Warrington and it was nice to see him just get a nice dominant victory over Kiko Martinez and made Kiko Martinez look like a joke. Yeah, I wasn't sure how this was going to go because the last time we really saw Josh Warrington in action was when he got just brutally knocked out by, I think it was Mauricio Lara. And they had the rematch, but then a cut stopped that fight in the second round. So this was really his first action since just being brutalized himself. And he came back with no ill effects because he looked, you know, back to the Josh Warrington. We said, like you said, he even came out with so much action in that first round it was even a lot for josh warrington who always throws punches high volume puncher you know where he almost looks like he's getting paid by the punch he came out and even stepped up his output 
it was over before it even started for Kiko Martinez. Yeah, and I'd love to say that this was one of those deals where the hometown crowd helps out. And I'm sure it did as far as adrenaline and stuff goes. But we've also seen guys come out in front of the hometown crowd and they just lay a dud out there, you know, like they let all of that hype get to them. Josh Taylor, you know, he came out and laid an egg, you know, he walked away with his belts, but against Catterall, he definitely came out and laid an egg. Yeah, and in this case, Josh Warrington came out so hyped up and so just geeked up in front of the hometown crowd. And I loved how amped up this crowd was in Leeds. It was just next level cheering and chanting. And it's fun, you know, like, yeah, was it one-sided? Of course, but also Kiko Martinez is Spanish. So who cares? Screw that guy. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's nice to see Warrington come out there put on a show, just a, a, I can't even say a boxing clinic because he rolled through him so badly, but it was fun to see. You could tell who Eddie Hearn's guy was too, because, you know, Kiko Martinez's <laughs> first defense comes in the challenger's backyard like that, you know, that doesn't add up very well, but unless you look at, all right, who do they really want to win? Yeah. And then you get your answer. <laughs> well, and also the hug that he gave him after he knocked him out. Eddie Hearn went running into the ring and like picked him up and gave him a, a big bear hug and carried him around for a little bit. So yeah, it was definitely skewed, but hey, he knows who the money man is. It's not the Spanish guy. It's the British guy. Miguel Burchelt, 30 years old, coming in at 38 and two versus Jeremiah Nakatila, 32 years old, Coming in at 22 and two. This may have been our farewell from Burchell because he was absolutely destroyed. There was a couple things going against him in this fight. He was moving up one weight class, mm-hmm. but so was his opponent. All right. So that should have balanced out. But in the ring, you could tell that Nakathila had the bigger frame to carry the extra five pounds. And I know it's just five pounds, but I've seen that matter so much in the past that it's got to matter. So Burchelt was never in this fight. I think at one point he had a flurry that as a guy that's rooted for Burchelt in the past, I was like, oh, well, there's a sign of life, but it was way too short-lived. They finally called it. I was rooting against Nakathelia this whole fight. I paid to see this gentleman live. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was the most boring fight I've ever seen in my life where I actually screamed from the back row, like, you're boring everyone. Like, it was awful. I'll never forgive him for it. He, The fight I paid to see him live, he landed 28 punches in 12 rounds. All right. That's not even three punches around, Franco. I know I'm not the best at math, but that was ridiculous. So he won this fight, but I hope he loses every fight he's in after this. Oh, no. I do not like Nakathelia. I, I want to see him just get destroyed by a, a real 135 pounder. And I'd like to see Burchelt maybe go back down to 130 and take on one of one of those uh, tune-up guys, you know, like a 16, 104, and three. <laughs> you know, like that's what I want to see Burchelt do, see if he can get his feet back under him. Because, you know, his last fight, if anybody doesn't remember, he was absolutely destroyed by Oscar Valdez, just the face first into the mat in a fight that he was heavily favored going into it. I remember I threw money on Valdez just because I saw value in the bet. It was like a four-to-one bet. So I was like, oh, I've seen Valdez fight before. There's some value there. And that's the only reason why I hopped on that bet. But my bet, if he wants to continue his career, is he needs to try again at 130 or just hang him up. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if maybe your disappointment in my boy Nak, that's his new nickname is Naka. Uh, We're going with Naka because his nickname is Low Key. And Low Key is kind of like it's a phrase that the kids use. Uh, My students use it all the time where it's 
means like you're 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 staying low as far as like staying off the radar kind of a thing. But I, I think your disappointment might be more in Shakur Stevenson because he was dodging everything that knock was throwing. So maybe that's where your anger should be placed. No, it's not. I have it in the exact right spot <laughs> against Nada. Not Athelia because uh, he landed not a punch throughout the damn fight. And maybe he's low key because he's like the jerk brother of Thor, you know, and uh, <laughs> he's a real asshole and nobody likes him. So perhaps that's why. Well, I liked him. I thought he did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was entertaining in this fight. Like, I agree. The fight that you saw in person, I just remember watching it from home and being like, oh, God, like Frizz has to be having such a miserable time or he's wasted enough that he's having a blast and doesn't care at how boring this is. But as far as this fight goes, Nakatele came out. He was doing all the work. Uh, he was he put down Burchelt early in the third round. He kind of booped him over in the corner. A nice that stiff jab, you know? Yeah. I don't even know that I would call it a flash knockdown necessarily, but it was, it was a clean, good, solid knockdown. Burchelt did not look good. And then all of a sudden Burchelt like landed a flurry in the fourth round when he, he looked like he was showing some kind of life and Nakathelia just ate it all. You know, he, he sat there waving him in, was, was taking them right on the chin. So that was exciting. And he survived. You start thinking, oh, this fight might be changing direction. And then it totally did not. Because when that sixth round came and he landed that left hook and then the quick right, he kept doing that same combo the whole fight. It was a, a quick left and then come in with the right hook. And the one in the sixth, when he launched the mouthpiece across the entire venue, I think it landed across the street somewhere over in the wind. It yeah, was awesome. It hit somebody in the face across the street. It was, yeah, it was something. <laughs> somebody was at Club Excess, sitting there fist bumping and, and dancing to DJ Snake or whatever and caught a mouthpiece right in the eye. And yeah, you know, that's when uh, between the rounds after the sixth, Burchelt's, uh corner. Oh, no, it wasn't his corner. It was the ref, right? Uh, it was one of the two. That's why I couldn't figure out at the end. And I have trouble listening to Joe Tessitore. So I mm. just knew that the fight was stopped. And that was good enough for me. Yeah. If if they would shut up with their nonsense at ESPN and let us just hear what's going on when these conversations are happening in the corner, probably would have been a little bit more clear as far as how this fight ended. But either way, somebody threw in the towel. Then the whole thing was done. You know, he's lucky that it got stopped because had he gone out there for the seventh, I do think Burchelt would have just gotten absolutely destroyed. But yeah, I thought Nakathelia looked good in this fight. And hopefully this is the new knock. Like this is what we're going to see moving forward. No more him missing all of his punches. Yeah. If uh, anybody from top rank gets to listen to this at all, please know that uh, we're offering to do the Punch Maniac cast where <laughs> people will have a uh, alternate version of, you know, a telecast where they don't have to listen to Tessator and Ward. They can listen to me and Franco mm -hmm. and not have to do everything at a 10. Like there is volume control, Joe. Like you don't have to do everything at a 10 and everybody's not the best you've ever seen. It's, yeah. you know, you got to do it within some reason. And Punch Maniac cast, top ranked. Let's do it. They say that you can't play boxing and we prove them wrong every week with our segment called Playing Boxing. The weekend kicked off with some fights in Kazakhstan, but I don't know if you watched any of them, Franco. I wasn't able to get through all of them because it had such a weird vibe to the fights. It almost felt like if they were going to do a mockumentary about boxing, like no. it just didn't feel real. You know, like it was almost like best in show for boxing. <laughs> the only thing I can say is whoever they, the gentleman they have, 
announcing the fights in Kazakhstan. I want him to do every fight. Like he's got the hugest smile on his face and uses the cheesiest big voice, but it's wonderful. And I want that dude to work more. He is way better than the production value of the show that was over there. So bring him in. But beyond that card, uh, there were some fun fights on the DAZN card. We got to see Sky, Sky Nicholson go up against Beck Conley, and she was actually engaging much more than she was in her first fight. I think she just coming off her first fight like three or four weeks ago. I thought she really looked great. She still is on her bike quite a bit, but the other opponent can cut off the ring and stop her from doing it. But Beck Conley does not have the talent to do it. So this was another step in the right direction for uh, Sky Nicholson. Yeah, I thought she looked good. If anything, I think Beck Connolly made her look good, where Beck Connolly was just eating tons of punches, but there was no damage being done. And I'm starting to worry about a little bit of a trend. And maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm seeing this incorrectly, but we have some women fighters that are just so good and so technically sound and are going out there and putting on amazing boxing clinics. And then we have some that are kind of like a Sky Nicholson or kind of like an Ebony Bridges, who we'll get to in a second, where they're just kind of good looking. And I don't know, Ebony Bridges does have power. So I feel like that's a little bit different. But Sky Nicholson, at no point did I think she was going to knock Beck Connolly out. She's still really young. She still has a lot of room to grow. So I'm hoping to see her come in and be a solid boxer. I just don't know that she's getting TV time for the right reasons. Well, here's the thing. she The power is not there yet, but she also has, hasn't been tested where she would need it. You know, mm-hmm. she is staying with the hit and don't get hit right now. Credit to Beck Conley. She takes any fight at any time. Yeah. She got this fight, I think, on eight days notice. She will get in there. And she's got heart. She's just not as skilled as these other women we've seen her go against. So I do think that the skill level is there for Sky Nicholson. And maybe a better opponent will show us whether she has the power. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And you know what? It's only her second fight. But I'm still going to throw her into the same category as Ryan Garcia, where she's just there because she's good looking. And uh, Ryan Garcia is trash. But let's move on to the other fights that uh, actually there were some on the undercard for ESPN. I don't know if you saw these, Fritz, and if you didn't or if any of our listeners didn't see them, you know, jump in. uh, You can find them on YouTube or on social media. But there was the Vargas versus Demario fight on the undercard on ESPN. And did you see it at all? That was the we only watched the one together. And that was all I've seen. Okay. Yeah. So this one I didn't see until this morning. So there was this Argentinian dude, Demario, and they're going back and forth. Not the greatest fight ever. And he ends up biting Vargas on the shoulder and not like a nibble, but like a full on Mike Tyson chomp, maybe even a bigger bite than Tyson did. And all the referee did was take one point. It was a hard enough bite to draw blood on the dude's shoulder. And he took one point instead of just going with the DQ, which that was absolutely insane to me. Well, that's crazy because in the one fight that we did watch, I think on the zone where the guy Smith versus uh, Moynette, they took two points for Moynette oh, yeah. for a low blow. The announcer in that one said the last time he had even seen a two-point deduction was Tyson versus Holyfield when he bit a chunk of his ear off. So to only get the one point, uh, maybe the ref was a vampire. And he's like, ah, I can see why you'd want to bite it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this makes sense. Yeah, that, that Smith-Moylet fight. That was a fun fight, but the low blows almost cost him the fight. You know, Smith looked good, but uh, it, it was almost like he was trying. I'm sorry, Moylet. Moylet was the one that was landing the low blows, right? 
No, Moilet was other... getting the low blows. Okay, and yeah, yeah. After the ref warned him, Moilet knew that he was losing that next low blow, like you had pointed out, he almost jumped up so it would it would look worse. Where he was looking for a way to get a cheap win. So yeah. as much as I thought he was kind of a fun guy at the beginning, I thought he was taking kind of a cheap shit way out at the end. So kudos to Smith on that one. And I don't I don't know how much we'll see more of Moylet, the toilet. <laughs> yeah, he, he was not that great. Um, you know what? We'll probably see him again because he's from Ireland and Eddie Hearn loves rolling out the Irish guys. He knows that it sells tickets. So we'll probably roll them on out. Now we also had Ryan Walsh and Maxie Hughes. Uh, that was a fun fight. Maxie Hughes ended up winning in a unanimous decision. Uh, I could see Walsh taking like a couple of the rounds, but for the most part, Hughes dominated most of the fight, was landing big punches, but then like taking long breaks off. So he it would look like he was setting up a knockout and then he would kind of lay off the gas a little bit and then go in again, then lay off the gas. But I thought that was a fun one. Yeah, Maxie Hughes is a fun fighter. The only detraction I had from that fight was they were acting like the IBO belt was a real belt. The only <laughs> solution I can come up with is say you get a four belt champion, you mm-hmm. know, like Canelo. Uh, he's got all of them at 168. So let's say he goes up against the 168 IBO guy. He just throws the belt in the garbage. Like that's how I think <laughs> we keep it a four belt system. The the real champ gets to beat the fake irritable bowel operation belt and just throw it in the trash where it belongs i can't handle any more belts franco so anybody who's out there that's proud of their ibo belt better for you i hate it you can be proud of it all you want if i had any belt you know i would wear it around with pride but as a fan we don't need more belts ibo is coming to the party too late the doors are closed we already have four restaurants full yeah and of course the most important restaurant would be the ring magazine belt our favorite on this show but uh, then but they only we, award that belt to the person that they see as the real champ. Yeah, which is why it's so, the best belt. <laughs> right, exactly. So IBO, get out yeah. of here. <laughs> and then we had uh, Ebony Bridges went up against Cecilia Roman. That was a fun fight. You know, Ebony Bridges is she this is what her ninth fight that she's been in. And I get it like she's kind of exactly what I was just talking about with fighters like Ryan Garcia, where a lot of the allure is how they look and their social media presence. But she comes out and aside from the social media stuff, aside from the coming out in her underwear for the weigh in and the same gimmick every time, she's a good fighter. Like I'm entertained watching her fight. She did kind of run out of gas towards the end on this one, but it was a good dominant performance. She's a fun fighter to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. I loved this fight. The only complaint I had when it was over was one of the judges scored it 100 to 91. And there was no way that that's an accurate score. Like, I want that judge punched in the face by both boxers. Like, I think that's just (laughs) reward for your dumb scorecard. And it's probably because he doesn't like Argentinians. That's my guess. I don't know. know, I I would understand that, though. And then uh, last one. Oh, wait. No, we had uh, Jose Enrique Vivas against Eduardo Baez, which I thought it it was a fun action-packed fight there's over 1600 punches total uh we had our fantasy baseball draft yesterday which is one of my favorite times of the year we got to meet up with a bunch of friends virtually from all over the country uh but that took so much out of me that by the time we got to this fight like there was so much action and i i, I it was hard for me to keep up with it because my brain well, was, was tired watching those guys they were expelling yeah. so much energy but then to uh what was the, what was the dude's name who won bias bias ended up winning even yeah. though he missed weight well to bias's credit he came out and they started with just a phone booth fight 
where yep. they were just trading with each other. And then he started slipping and doing some nice moves where he was just not standing there to take the shots. I thought just put it on cruise control with some simple defensive moves for the after the second or third round. He just cruised. Yeah, it, it was a fun, entertaining fight at the beginning. He let off the gas a little bit, but it, it was still it was a fun one to watch. And I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I know we're going to see him. But then uh, knockout of the weekend. I don't know if you saw this one for it's another one for people to check out if they haven't seen it. You can find it on YouTube or on Twitter and Instagram. But Tiger Johnson from uh, the American Olympian, he had a knockout that when he hit the dude, it was in the fourth round, catches him with a hook. Do you remember when you were a kid and you would get juice boxes and you would puff them up with air and then you stomp on it and it made Absolutely. like a like a loud bomb noise? That's what this punch sounded like, like a juice box. Like I was Ratatouille style warped back to my childhood and we're stomping on juice boxes in the playground. That's what this punch this sounded like. <laughs> what getting out of the car? I thought you were driving. No, my juice box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was an awesome knockout. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend for people to look it up. Uh, it was it was a good one. Now, do, what do we have next weekend? Or are we even going to cover the other stuff? We're we only covering the local stuff. Yeah, we'll be going out to Rosemont. So any punch maniacs that live near Chicago, come say hello to us in Rosemont. Uh, we'll be covering the Rosemont Rumble at April 1st, live and in person. We'll be there. And then the second, there's quite a bit going on on the second as well. Sandor Martin and Jose Felix, I believe, are fighting on Friday. But Saturday, I'm not sure that we get that one. I'm not, or I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on. There's some British stuff, but not anything crazy. It's the weekend after that that you got Brian Garcia, Triple G, Fundora. You know, Sebastian Fundora puts the fun in Fundora. All Absolutely. 10 feet of them. Michaela Mayer, like the ninth. I think is the one that's packed. So maybe we'll just cover maybe a little bit of Friday and playing boxing and then do uh, the local show. Love it. Yeah. Anybody who's uh, going to Bobby hits uh, hit us up and uh, you know, we'll wave high from the front row. Yeah. If you don't got nothing else, Frank, I'm throwing in the towel. Thank you for listening to punches and punchlines. Make sure to like subscribe and follow, and we'll see you next week when we break down the best in boxing with a sense of humor.